Okay, well that music you're hearing there, that means it's time for Jay and I to get together. I'm out of my coffee. Jay, how's your coffee this morning? This it fine. is okay. Well, it's going to be December when this is released, so happy December, everyone. We hope you're out there doing well. Yeah. Jay, this one, um, we're going to cover two songs in this one. A couple yeah. of different recording processes. Not really much of a difference in the writing, but but before we start, and the, I want to hold your hand, we kind of talked about the timeline of Beatlemania, and I think before we can even talk about this song, we have to talk about 1968, the year, okay. and kind of what was going on in the world, what was going on in the Beatles world, and how we ended up with this song. Um, so we'll start. 1968. It's going to sound a lot like 2020, you guys. All right? <laughs> totally. <right? laughs> Just replaced Vietnam with COVID, and we got us 2020. Okay, 1968, Jay. January, uh, President Nick, uh, Johnson tells America that we got Vietnam under control. Not a big deal. The Tet Offensive happens. Uh, Vietnam, uh, the Vietnamese do a counteroffensive that really knocks the Americans back, really for the first time in our history post-World War II. We got really handed to us. Um, kind of an interesting time in the world, January. That's what we're looking at. February, the Beatles go to India, okay. which is very important. Um you know, they record a couple songs we talked about before. We talked about Hey Bulldog. That was one of the last songs they recorded before they go to India. Um, if you don't know anything about that, that was an interesting time for them because they all kind of detoxed, which is important to this song. They were heavy drug users at that time, especially John with LSD. And from what I understand, they go to India, and for the first time, they don't have access to all these drugs. So they kind of clean out a little bit, start oh, meditating, sure. yeah. writing songs. They're hanging out with, uh, you know, other rock stars that kind of influenced this song that I think is important. Donovan is there. We talked about Donovan before. Mm -hmm. Mike Love is there, which when you hear the early demos of this song, it's very Beach Boy. People probably think we're talking about USSR. We're not. Uh, March, uh, the Prague Spring happens. I wasn't familiar with what the Prague Spring was, so I, I looked it up. And kind of like we've seen uh, in, in the Middle East recently they were revolting against communism and saying, Hey, we want our freedom of speech. So you have the government uprising against the Soviet union, huge stuff. April 3rd, thousands of American men turn in their draft cards, not wanting to fight in the Vietnam war. April 4th, this is where things really get out of hand in America. Martin Luther King is assassinated. Mm -hmm. uh, the next day in Columbia university, 700 people are arrested. I didn't know this. Uh, students overtook Columbia, uh, uh, like kidnapped the dean. Did you hear of any? This oh is all gosh. going on. I did. Yeah, I had no, no idea. This is Columbia that. University. Right. Uh, in April 12th, the Beatles abruptly end their trip to India after having a falling out with the Maharishi. They come right back and kind of resume their life. John makes a big change here when he comes back, though. He ends his relationship with his wife, Cynthia, and starts exclusively being with Yoko around this time, mm -hmm. which is important. In May, 5,000 students riot in Paris. This is huge. May 30th, the Beatles start the White Album and recording the song that we're going to talk about. In June, Andy Warhol was shot. Did you, did you know that? Did you know Andy Warhol was shot? I, I had no idea. I didn't know he was shot, no. Would you like to... Uh, maybe the people listening want to know, would you like to know why Andy Warhol was shot? I had no idea, first of all. Yeah, of Valerie course. Solanus was, I, I might not say this name right, Valerie Solanus was a playwright, and she shot him for losing her play. I love that. I love that. He forgot to click save on his MacBook, and uh, she capped his ass for that. June 4th, um, the Beatles 
finish a session for this song and Robert Kennedy is assassinated. June 8th, James Earl Ray, who assassinated Martin Luther King, is arrested in London, right down the street, you know. Mm -hmm. In July, uh, the Beatles re-record this song with slightly altered lyrics and a completely different sound to make it a single. We're talking about the song Revolution, Jay. Yes. Any opening thoughts about Revolution before we get into the writing part of it? Uh, it's it a is, deep, it's a deep song, right? You can go down many rabbit holes as I'm sure you found. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it is, it's an iconic Beatles song. It is. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> what else can you say about it? Right. It, it is, it's very, it, it is iconic in a very different way though. I think it's aged very well. Um, I, when it oh, came out, I was shocked to hear how people, loathed it and thought yeah. it was horrific, even in the Beatles, uh, which we'll talk about. Interesting. Um, okay. it, it wasn't loved necessarily by the Beatles themselves, especially Paul and George. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a banger. And I can't wait to get some of your take. I'm going to grab my guitar because people are saying, why don't you guys, um, and I tried to do it, <laughs> tried to use my piano on the last one and it didn't work it out. But if you think of this as a country song, Jay, it's, it's kind of cool. Now, country music was really making its way into uh, mainstream 60s music. You know, you kind of had the Beatles. They had some country flavor to them with the Buddy Holly, with the Love Me Do's. Oh, of course, and, yeah. Uh, you know, you hear it in there. So it wasn't something that was not familiar to them. But when they went to India, you know, you hear like Mother Nature's Son and you hear Child of Nature is a song that John wrote, which became Jealous Guy. Kind of a country song. Blackbird is also folksy. When I'm saying country, I should also say folksy. Mm -hmm. But this song started out as a country song, which I think kind of makes sense. You know, it it was just kind of a two song. You say you want a revolution. Well, you know, we all want to change the world. Real simple, nothing to it. But when you talk about destruction... Don't you know that you can count me out? Which we'll get to that part. So he writes this song, simple country song, really nothing to it. And mm-hmm. the Beatles, when they got home from India, they go to these Escher Street, which I think is George's house. You hear these Escher demos? Yeah. Is that correct? Is it George's uh, house, I believe? I don't know if it, I can't remember. I, it's one of the Beatles' Kinfons, homes. Well, Escher, I don't, I don't know which one's which. Yeah, so they record these demos, and there's a killer version, and I listened to it to Jay, because there's like seven versions of the song out there that are released, mm-hmm. but this demo version's very Beach boy uh, I think it's John just kind of harmonizing with himself, but if, if you guys can listen, it's it was on the White Album re-release that they did in 2018. It's killer. And so it starts out that way, it's a great song. I mean, the words are kind of tepid, I, I wrote down. I, I never really thought of it that way. For that time, you know, he's just kind of saying, you say you want a revolution. Well, you know, <laughs> eh, I'm not really that into it, you know, so he's not really making a stand. Yeah, he's, um, you know, George, John is, is is a pacifist sort of at yeah. this point still, you know. Uh, I don't yeah. think Yoko's has totally influenced him to be, you know, what he is in a year from from this point, right. where he's, you know, given peace a chance, the bed-ins, all this stuff. You know, at this point, he's still right. like, if you want a revolution, you know, what are you going to do? Like, how, what? why are you going to tear this stuff down? And if you're going to yeah. tear it down, what are you going to replace it with? That's and where the he's deep at. Part, 
and I think the deep part, Jay, in the writing of it is he's kind of saying the revolution happens in here. Totally. Right? It, it happens from within. You don't need me to stand with you. That's why you can count me out in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it's kind of laid back, too. He, um, when they start to record Revolution One, which, of course, is the, the first song that started the White Album, it's got that, even the uh, take two, it's real loose, it's real... But that country feel is there. That totally, yeah. And it makes it kind of awesome with this shooby doo bop ow. You really hear that in there. And so I'm I'm wondering why John, how he got to this point because the song that he recorded before Revolution is Across the Universe, kind of a complicated little song. Um, and and they in in our book they kind of blame it on drug use on John which uh, let's play our favorite game spin the wheel 1968 <laughs> what drugs was John using <laughs> well we know from Magical Mystery Tour uh, from Sergeant Pepper kind of to India he was completely obsessed with LSD and was taking it all the time mm. uh, and and evidently by the time he recorded Across the Universe had lost his ego they wrote which I think is kind of the goal of taking LSD. I'm guessing here, Jay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, he became a very passive person, and you kind of hear that in the Beatles as well. His his production of songwriting kind of falls. I mean, not that he didn't write extraordinary songs on these drugs, but he became passive in the group, and Paul becomes the leader. Right. When they go to I- India, he kind of regains his self, you know, because mm-hmm. he's meditating every day and he's not using LSD. When he comes home, he hooks up with Yoko, and evidently they're <laughs> what they would do all day is take drugs and have sex. And their drug of choice, unfortunately, because of the harsh treatment he was getting from the media, it says, because of his going with Yoko, he they got hooked on heroin. Mm-hmm. And you hear that in this first recording where John, we can switch to the recording now, Jay, your area of expertise, he's recording it laying on his back. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> right, he's so chill. He's like, you say, which I get, and it kind of, it's brilliant. It's a Beatle choice, right? Because it's kind of, he's passive about his choice of the revolution. You know, he's not saying, let's take it by storm. Right. He's just kind of saying, yeah, you say you want it. Uh, it's cool, man. So let's talk about the, the recording of Revolution 1. Um, May 30th through June 21st, they get in there, and it's the White Album sessions. They, they didn't realize they were starting the White Album, but here it comes. Yeah, this was John, the first, I didn't realize, this was the first song recorded for the White Album. This is the first song they recorded. Like, I think they came <laughs> back to do Child of Nature, which again wasn't released, and McCartney did uh, Junk, I believe, at that time when they got mm. back. Uh, yeah. But this is the first song that ended up on the record they record. John, uh, on an acoustic, gotta be his uh, J160. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um. Sounds cool. It does. Boom, it does. Boom, boom, yeah, boom. it's such a cool thing. He he uh, he plays that part on you know on on the single version, just on the distorted. But it's it's yeah, it's super cool. It's really grew. And what's all the mess happening in the beginning? <laughs> I tried to listen for it. There's like shit falling everywhere. Yeah, I don't know what's uh, falling. Uh, Emmerich uh, announces take eighteen. I think that's you know, and and you know, you hear okay, you know, from John, yeah. and and yeah, it's funny. Um, but yeah, so like, I think like they didn't even stop tape. They just started another take, and and Emmerich, you know, hits the button, and 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 yeah, so it's it's very loose, but it's cool. And I, I mean, I like that about it as oh, I, I hear too. it. 
I do too. And I listened to it today. This one is real endearing to me. Like, I, well, I mean, well, I'm going to make you make a choice after this. And I, I, I really like elements of this, um, of this song. So McCartney's on piano on the, the Revolution One. Mm-hmm. And Hammond organ and bass, of course. Uh, George on the lead guitar that you again hear him play on the single version. But on this one, which is real cool. You have horns. There's two trumpets, yeah. two trombones. I mean, in it, it kind of really, all right. Yeah. The, Man, uh, it's, it's cool. The staff at Abbey Road uh, called it Revolution One, the Glenn Miller version. That's how they would, <laughs> that's how they would differentiate when it was like, when they had to go pull the tape. They were like, yeah. which revolution? So it just became, the get the Glenn Miller version. So, you know, a little in the mood for you. Yeah. So it's I nice, think that's though. Awesome. I mean, there's some, it is. Yeah, it there's is. something to it that I really, I really dig. Uh, George is on lead guitar on this one. Is he, I mean, we see what they're playing on the single version, but I don't know which guitar is he playing on this one. Do, do you know? Yeah. Is he on it, L- Lucy at this point? Uh, it's uh, an SG is what I kept reading. Got it. Yeah. Which is on that, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he still had the and SG what, at that point. So. What amps are they using uh, during the White Album sessions? They've switched, right? Or are they uh, still? They have, I mean, God, they have a mishmash. They've got, uh, they've still got the Voxes. They've they've moved to a Vox solid state. It's called the Conqueror, which has the oh, yeah. mid-range boost in it, which was kind of a cool thing. Uh, they're also pretty heavily in Defenders at this point. They've still got the Showman's. George has the classic uh, cream or blonde-colored Fender bass man. They don't have the twins yet, but John's playing a lot through a Fender Deluxe. So it could be any of those things at, at that point. Awesome. And, the, and when they're recording these, it's a lot looser than before, right? I mean, when they started, obviously, on the first record, they're recording an entire album in the day. But the White Album, it really starts, speaking of them calling it the Glenn Miller version, they really start to piss people off around, around Abbey Road because they're really just going in and writing these songs there, experimenting heavily. And this album takes longer than any at this point. I'm, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. This one, this one took a spell for them to record, which, is, yeah. at, which would have been awkward for them because they were always rapidly. Um, so they, this is the first song they record. And it sounds awesome. It's a cool version. John wants it to be a single. He thinks he's recording a single. And Paul and George are like, no, no, you're not (laughs) recording a single. Well, you know what? We'll we'll let you record this one how you want, but this isn't the single. Right. But it's a great album cut. I think it sounds cool. Um, Revolution 9, which we will talk about at a different time, comes about because there's also on the 2018 remaster, there's the eight-minute version that's like a jam. It's like take 18 or something oh, like that. I didn't get to that. I oh, didn't Jay, you got to hear this, okay, man. It's that's, real. That's where nine came from, right? It they came out jam. Of the, they do. The, yeah. The coda of of the of one. I didn't know and that until this morning. and I, I, didn't, I didn't know that either. I didn't see that. So that's cool. Yeah. And when you hear it, it's cool because they're jamming. It's reminiscent of like we talked about with I uh, Want You, She's So Heavy, where they're just grooving and jamming and Yoko starts vocalizing and then the tape loops start. They probably should have stuck with that, I think. It's real cool and it really made it a deeper song, but they edited it. 
because it was the White Album and they, you know, they were doing whatever they want. So, uh, a couple months later, let me get the, the date right here, Jay. They get back into the studio. So this all happens in May. They get back. Hang on, I'm thumbing through my book here. How are you today, Jay, by the way? Uh, I'm good. well, man. I'm well. It's good to see him. You too. On August, uh, in July, July 9th, they get back together to re-record the single revolution. Okay. John, uh, John and Paul and George have a discussion. Let's soup it up. Let's make it rockier. Now, this is where I want you to talk about this guitar tone that we get. It, it's, yeah, I'm just going to let you take it from here. How would one recreate the, in the studio? What did the Beatles do to get this badass sound overall? Because the drums sound killer. Uh, Paul's bass sounds great, but those guitars, let's... Jay Hansen, everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, uh, I, and I feel bad because I, I am a little unprepared because I went down a rabbit hole this morning listening <laughs> and then trying to recreate it how I, <laughs> you know, can do here at home. So anyway, so yeah, um, I don't know what the uh, inspiration was for deciding to get do this, but rather than playing through amplifiers for this, they went into the control room. I think they were in Studio 3, which is the smallest of the three studios at Abbey Road. And they all went into the control room and plugged right into the board uh, through a DI direct injection box. We're, musicians are familiar with DIs, although they were, they were non-existent until like 67 at Abbey Road. So, brand, yeah, brand new stuff. Yeah, yeah. So all three of them are playing uh, straight in, even Paul. Um, at this point. And so uh, they have the board. It's called a, a Red 51 at this point, R-E-D-D 51. It's a tube-based uh, soundboard. And um, they, uh, Ken Scott, who, was, who has worked on many Beatle records, said he walked into the control room at one point when they're all standing there recording. And he was like, because this was a big no-no as far as impedance mismatching. And I think Emmerich had to sign a waiver that if, if any <laughs> any of the preamps were damaged, he would pay for them out of his own paycheck. Like, <laughs> you know, but so they get this wicked sound, which is, you know, uh, it's not like you can't get this sound through an amplifier. It's impossible because right. it has no speaker. I mean, essentially, it is going right yeah. into a right into you know, the board. So there's no speaker that, uh, so, so they they don't get it. John doesn't like the sound. It's not distorted enough through one <laughs> preamp. And so they run out of one channel into another one, um, to make it that nasty thing that we get. And, oh. and George does the same thing. Um, and I was listening to, to his part today and I, I know he plays the, the Lucy Les Paul on the promo video. Yeah. It might be the SG on the recording too, but it's, it's hard to tell. It's very aggressive. It yeah. is. It's real aggressive though. Like the casino tone, you hear that, right? Yeah. I mean, we both play a casino and it's a very distinct sound when you put some distortion through it. Like you could almost, you know what I'm talking, you could yeah. feel the, oh my God, it's going to feed back. It's so, but it, it, but that SG is so crunchy. Yeah, it's cool. It's and cool. I, I, yeah, we're gonna call it an SG. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. It, it it could be either. I mean, they're both you know solid body Gibson humbucker pick 
pickups. So they could be either. So yeah, so I went down a little rabbit hole. I've got a, a JHS. That's uh, my shout out to JHS. I've got a JHS color box, which is essentially a pedal that uh, enables you to quote unquote sound like you're plugging into the board. Yeah. Through a uh, Dyson Goff uh, tube preamp, which is, you know, it's like a cheap person's red 51 preamp. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you crank them both up and plug a you casino it. into it, that's that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so the thing that was interesting, too, uh, <clears throat> was listening to Paul's bass on it. Um, right. I'm not sure if it's the Rick or the Hoffner. Again, it's, it's hard, hard to tell. say. Matt might yeah. have an, a better idea than me because he's got both of those. But uh, uh, it's also pretty overdriven. And so um, I know he went back and overdubbed the bass. Like he was just playing along. They weren't recording yeah. him when they when they first cut those. Um, but I don't know if they did the same thing with him too because it's you know, it's not fuzzy like a distortion box fuzzy, but it, it's definitely fuzzy. So, did they do it with the drums? I, I thought I read somewhere, uh, maybe it was just on one take that they tried to do the drums that way too. Oh, to really? Every every instrument through that. Do I mean, it that, that way. That's classic Beatles, you know. I mean, yeah, they, they, they <laughs> killer. They're not about uh, subtlety. Um, there's somebody we have to talk about on the single because he really, whenever there's a guest, we, you know, the horn players are guests, but that, that happens a couple of times, but man, Nikki Hopkins is really heroic on this track. It's a killer solo he lays in. And if people don't know who Nikki Hopkins is, he was, he worked with the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, the Who, the Jeff Beck group. He was in, yeah, he classic, awesome uh, studio musician who comes in and really that's there's a double you know because george plays a solo over that part too mm-hmm. but you, you don't even pay attention to that part because the keyboards that's what sounds like the revolution to me when they when they do it this way plugging it in and making it really aggressive the the lyrics don't become as tepid if you will like i said earlier they kind of there's more power behind them Totally. And, uh, yeah. That revolution is all of that noise and man, what a great choice to go make that the single. It's the B side, double A side, Hey Jude Revolution. Yeah. It's killer. Yeah. Um, we want to talk, and by we, we're gonna head to the the video. I want to talk about the video. Yeah. Because there's a video, a promotional video for this. We've talked about Mikey, Michael Lindsay Hogg direct this video. It was shot the same day as Hey Jude. Um, it appeared, this video appeared on the Smothers Brothers TV show. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, all the music was pre-recorded, so that's why we can make any choice about what they may have used to record it. The, the instruments are from the session, mm-hmm. but the vocals were recorded live that day. Right, because they, uh, do you know why? No, do tell. So <laughs> so it's a it's a musician's union thing where if they filmed a video and weren't live, the video would be banned. So they had to have live <clears throat> live singing so that they so that BBC wouldn't ban the video. I thought that was so really that's why interesting. You, that is that is that's why Hey Jude is that way too. Right. Um, yeah. that's why when everybody storms them, none of the music changes. Uh, but they were plugged in because you can hear the David Frost bit. Anyway, back to this. So uh, 
for the drummers again. Uh, after 1964, Ringo switched to a 22-inch kit that, from what I understand, was what, the, what he played on Sgt. Pepper uh, through the White Album. At the very end, he bought that Hollywood Ludwig kit that we see in the video. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that he played that in the recording of this song, but we see it in the video. He bought it at the end. Uh, John is on that casino, which is stripped down for the first time, yeah. which I thought was kind of cool. When he played it live on that 66 tour, it was still, you know, still had the lacquer on it. So it's stripped down. Now talk about what that does. I think that's cool because you play it stripped down and I play the one with the lacquer on it. What did it do? For, it warmed the tone a little bit, right? When you stripped it down. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think both of them said, you know, it, it allows the guitar to breathe a little bit more. Um, yeah. And, and I'm lucky. I mean, both of us are because we play with in-ears and we play right. through, you know, fractal modelers. So we don't have, we don't have amps that are sitting behind us. These guitars are so prone to feedback that. So they, tough to play on amps. Yeah, they'd yeah. be tough to to deal with. So, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it probably makes it a little livelier uh, sounding. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I, I thought that was a cool thing. That's the first time you see it stripped down, is in that video, and yeah. it's also the first time you see George playing Lucy. Yeah. Um, which is really kind of cool. Here's something even cooler. It's I'll get more into it on the deep dive, but Paul is playing his original Hofner bass <clears throat> yeah. in that video with the pickups that are closer to the <clears throat> neck. That's why it looks different because he had it painted, like the more, uh, I don't know, had it enhanced, I guess, and had those pickups souped up. So you're seeing that bass for the first time, which is really kind of cool. They do seem to phone it in a little bit. I think John's probably heroined out. And as we know that John and George didn't love this song originally. Paul and George, And they yeah. kind of, they're, Paul and George, sorry, and they're laughing at each other kind of in between. You know, you can see them like mouthing shit to each other. Yeah. It's a great video. It's fun to watch. Anytime you get to see them interact is cool. Totally. The deep dive. The deep dive. I love this part. Uh, I'll start. So it was a number 12 hit in the U.S. Not, not a huge hit, which is surprising. It was a number one in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Nina Simone did not like this song. She recorded a reply record attacking Lennon, telling him he needed to clean his brain. If he didn't know which side to side with, he needed to clean his brain. Oh, okay. Um, My favorite deep dive in this song was the Nike thing. Yeah, I read about that. In 1987, Nike paid um, EMI, EMI and Michael Jackson or Capitol Records and Michael Jackson, $500,000 for the rights to revolution in their iconic Nike ad. But they started um, without permission. Am I, am I right? Well, they asked, they, they didn't ask the Beatles. From what I understand, they just, they went to the proper channels. To them, it would have been the proper channels. Oh, it, gotcha, it, it okay. Was, it was okay. not the cool way to do it, right? Because the Beatles had never let anybody use their music in any way before. Michael Jackson bought the rights, and this was kind of his first move. <laughs> he ah. sold the rights to okay, Nike to use it. I didn't, I didn't it. know that story. Okay, interesting. The Beatles then sued because um, because of this. Yoko, and then uh, there was it started the Paul and Yoko rip. It's a complicated little thing because Yoko said that after they talked about it, I, I'm, I'm thinking some money was involved. They said Yoko said it was okay, and said that Paul also agreed. Paul denied that fact. That started the rift between Yoko and Paul. They settled out of court, and it's top secret. Nobody knows the amount they settled for. 
uh, or even what happened. But at, that was evidently the start of the rift between Yoko and Paul that went on until Beatles' love kind of came around for all the Beatle people out there. Interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was just vague, you know, superficially aware The reason of I remember thing. is because my dad kicked the TV the first time he heard it, and it broke our TV. We could not watch. The, we, we, we were poor, right? And so we had this TV, and he kicked it so hard that it became letterbox until... <laughs> So that was 1987. It became Letterbox until 1993 when they moved from Omaha. Anyway, that's how mad he was. And Beatle people were livid because it was sacred to them, Beatles. And I, I'm, I come from that as well. The Beatles music is sacred to me. And when I hear it in a commercial, it still pisses me off to this day. Yeah. Like you'll hear Got to Get You Into My Life by I Was Alone, I Took a Ride. And it's like, hey, Target says. It's like, no, I, I want to kick my TV, but it hangs on the wall now. Jay, what did you find in your deep dive? Okay, so so this is uh, this was Ringo's drumming. It's badass on this song. Woo. It is badass. So okay, so yeah, so I yeah. didn't I didn't flip through any books this morning. I just sat here and listened <laughs> to like isolations, and so yeah, there's no hi hat in this song. Really, there is no hi hat. It is he hits the cymbals on the. It is all kick, snare, some floor tom. He's doing the cymbals during, you know, some of the accents. His, uh, I love, I love, love, love his snare drum sound. It is, it's so weird because it's kind of a thin sound. It's not like a typical, like... Like today, you wouldn't think of, of Ringo's snare sound as a great, quote-unquote, great snare sound. But right. it is badass. It's kind of thin, <laughs> but it's so cool. Um, I, wonder his, if that, if, I wonder if they tried to to direct do that. I wonder if that's why it sounds thin, like we were talking about. I wonder if they tried. I mean, it, it, it's not just on this song. It's kind of, oh, you know, it. It, you hear it a lot throughout, throughout this period, I guess. Um, his floor tom sounds like a freaking timpani. Um, it it's is wicked. so cool. Yeah, and so they have to be running it through the the Fairchild compressor. Um, but yeah, his the other thing is that um, like, Jay's so excited right now. Like the smile on your oh face. Oh my it's god! Awesome. I, I had a great time going through this because like I was listening to it, and you know, music today is so like edited to the grid as far as like you know you got to be right on the beat and stuff. Yeah, I I was listening to Ringo's drums in isolation, and <laughs> they may have played to a click. I didn't like temp, you know, time it out to see where their tempo was. But I mean, his kick drum is not to the grid. It is like all over the place. You know, he's very. Yeah. And then listening to Paul's bass line, it's like, oh, that's that's not technically in time and then listening to the guitars they are way out of tune like oh, especially no especially when he gets up like when Lennon's playing that da 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 down down that little line it's like yeah. horribly out of tune but it's <laughs> so like it doesn't matter that's the thing right. that's so cool because the song is so badass all right I'm gonna turn it down <laughs> um it's a great it bass badass. line by McCartney um yeah Again, I don't know if it's the uh, if it's the Rick or the Hoffner. Uh, he also had a Fender at this time, right? They introduced the Fender around the the Abbey Road. It probably isn't the Fender, but still, I mean, a lot he, of Fender jazz on the White Album. Yeah, the the walking around that all everybody playing a stringed instrument in the song does is really cool because they're all 
walking and bluesing and and countrifying and the you know what I'm talking about the it's just so good. Yeah. Sorry, back yeah. to you, bud. No, it's cool. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. The the Escher demo from the 2018 remixes is is yeah. faster. So they have a fast version, then they go back to the slower and version. Slow it. And, and, that, and that's what I was talking I like that Escher Demer. 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 I like that Escher Demer. <laughs> that kind of beach boy sound that he gets there. I'm real. They probably decided USSR has that sound, so we can't really give this one that. But man, I dig it. Yeah. I'm really into it. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Playing it live. Um, we've played it a ton live. I was thinking I was, about that. It's probably what one at l- easily top five most played songs. I mean, it's rare that we do a show without it. Yeah, it, because it rocks so hard, oh, and I mean, it, it became it. real. Yeah, and it became really relevant politically and culturally as we've all gone through what we've gone through the past twenty plus years. You know. Right. Um, yeah, it. Uh, I, I listened to a version we did. We did. An, we opened with a version where we did Paperback Writer into Day Tripper into Revolution, where we came out of Revolution into the end and played guitar solos off of each other into the end. In the, or it might have been a closer even. It's it's a killer song. Wow. It's great playing it live. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I a lot the, of great. Me- I, no, go ahead. No, go. Uh, I love the video that you have edited together for this. I, it's I, out there on YouTube. Give it a look. It's I, it's I, a rocker. <laughs> I, I'm not bored on stage, but there there are points where I will turn and uh, just watch the video once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the video is uh, the video that I have happening also has subliminal messaging yeah, in it. Totally, that's what I look for. Great. <laughs> and what's great is as we've toured this show the past four years, a lot of those little blue areas in the south they've all seen that video. So I think we <laughs> might have had something to do with that. <laughs> Even in Florida, even in Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, <laughs> lots, lots of subliminal messaging happening in that one. Uh, your tone is always killer, and the reason I know it's killer is because I bought your fractal from you that has the revolution sound, and it makes my guitar sound just amazing. And even through in-ears, when it's live, pumped through, my guitar will still feed back with that preset on there it's so killer man nice nice yeah a lot of great memories of you know anybody playing that keyboard solo leon leon adams always tore that one up <laughs> uh and then tara just it's a it's a shine moment for her playing that nikki hopkins solo yeah it's, it's good stuff it is it is i see people rocking i remember um there was a family of people that always came to our shows remember the grandparents would always dance in the front row oh god i Right, I, I haven't and, seen and they, them for a year or two, and that. Well, makes they both passed. They both passed they away. Both, yeah, oh, in the past okay. couple of years. But I still keep in touch with their family. I don't know if you remember this moment. It was pretty early on in our yesterday and today. One of the little kids stood up and he goes, "Revolution!" Oh, I do he was remember in that. that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of my favorite memories. And then we rocked it. He's now in a band. That kid, they no play way. hard rock music, and I'd like to think that it was because because of us, you know, that's and the so Beatles, cool. of course. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my God, that's uh, sad about gr- Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of my favorite memories is watching them dance watching down them. on the floor. Uh, and they all started as little kids, you know. The the now they're all in their twenties, and uh, yeah, we're we're that's very lucky. We feel we, old, Billy. Damn. We are getting old. We're we're your Uncle Jay and your Uncle Billy. All right. Listen, if you're gonna play this song live, 
Bring it. Okay? And now, no hi-hat. Yeah. Don't, I, don't I, you dare play hi-hat I mean, in this song. I, drummers, please, uh, please let us know if I'm hearing that incorrectly. But I, I mean, because, you know, my hearing's not what it used to be. The high-end's gone. So maybe it's there. Yeah. I just don't hear the be. hi-hat. But. It's a banger. Ringo, Ringo's, man, he, he brings does a it to lot life. of Taxman, no hi-hat in, the, in Taxman. So it's not like it's new for him. He's, That's what's he's the king, baby. Yeah. He's badass. Uh, okay, you know what time it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's time to rate this song, bud. Hey, so we're going to hey. start with Revolution 1. <laughs> okay, and then so we'll do the quick, single. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, somebody said that we're fanboys. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. Oh, also, I'd like, we'll go to the mailbag. We are fanboys. We have grown up loving these guys' music. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. Playing, this so- playing these songs in our room for hours, listening to their music. And then for the past 20 years, we've gotten to play this music and see people's reaction to it. So, excuse my language, but fuck yeah, we're fanboys. Um. Somebody also said to me, I made a statement in our I Want to Hold Your Hand uh, episode, which is our most popular episode, by the way. Kudos to you, Jay. Um, (laughs) That that I made a statement where I said music sucked before the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. And I do want to clarify. I I said American music sucks. I I do want to clarify for our listener that, that called me out and said, you know, explain yourself. What I meant to say was between the time Buddy Holly died... Mm-hmm. which is February 1959, also known as the day the music died. From that period, rock music really waned until the Beatles came. Motown did not wane, but pop music and rock music, just look at Elvis's career from that point. I mean, when he got back, he wasn't a rocker anymore. He was a movie star, right? Mm-hmm. Paul mm-hmm. Anka ruled the airwaves. Calendar Girl was a hit. Beatles came, rock music came back, and that's all I was saying. So there's your mailbag today on our Revolution episode. But now, Jay, <laughs> that's right. Oh, we're not sponsored. You can find us on Spotify. <laughs> you can spawn us on Apple. I prefer to listen on Spotify because we can slow us down, which is yeah, my favorite I, thing. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I need to check out the, the drunk uh, the drunk. I like podcast. to listen to the stoned version of us, which is at 0.1 speed. <laughs> <laughs> but however you listen, we are appreciative. Just follow us. Uh, we know that a lot of people are listening in Jay, which is cool. We're getting a lot of younger listeners who are learning about this music. So, yeah, like I said, we are fanboys. We love this music. So we're going to rate this song Revolution. Let's do Revolution 1 that we hear on Abbey Road. It starts side three. All right, take two. What do you got for me on that one, Jay? I'm going 7-3, which is a pretty low rating for me. You know, I'm usually yep. pretty easy, but that's because I'm going to make up for it on the other one. <laughs> All right, so on Revolution One that we hear on the White Album, I really dig this version. It's not the best version of the song, but it is a good one. So for me, I'm going to give it a five-seven. That means it's not an essential Beatles track, but it's one that you should know if you've heard Revolution, the single. You should definitely listen to Revolution One because totally the Shuby Doo Wop owls come from there. The horns are killer. I John- like the. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, him laying on his back singing this song. Isn't that it's yeah, good? Yeah. John would it's say, good. you know, John would ha- would criticize us for not including number nine in this because but he, we're gonna considered, get to that. he considered yeah. all three of them essentially like a suite of songs, you know. Um, we are going to get to that because there is there's a there lot is to, cover a lot in that to, song. to yeah. uh, 
to pee. Yeah, so we're not done, okay? And as we fanboy, okay, I will be harsh on that song, so kiss it. All right. (laughs) All right, I gave that one a 5-7-J. Let's go to the single. So the single's singles hot, man. You hear it on the Beatles' Love. I I forgot to bring that up, which, again, if there's any song on Beatles' Love, it's got to be up there and mean they love it. And when you go to that show and you hear that... And it's coming through every speaker in that place. Whew. Jay? Yeah. Uh, Talk to me. It's a 10. That's a perfect 10 from Jay Hansen. Yeah. Man, I don't, know, I don't know where to be on this one. I got to be honest with you. As I hear the criticism of the lyrics of the song and hear the criticism of John's position in the song in the 60s, it right. does knock, that does take about a point off for me. Gotcha. The Nike thing definitely takes a point off for me. Interesting. Not their choice. That's that's kind of a sellout move, and that was a big thing. That would be like Apple saying, hey, we're going to start, I don't know. You know why people love Apple? I don't know why they love it, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it took the luster off a little bit, but in, when it came back in love, and as we've gotten to play it, it went back. So I'm giving it a 9-3, nice. which is an essential. We, we you got to hear this one. You got to know it. But I think my favorite version, however, is that the demo version, the Beach boy version that we hear in those Escher demos. I love that version. I, I couldn't stop listening to that one today. That's cool. Yeah. It's happy. It's peppy. It's, I, you know. Yeah. I dig it. But we love this song, and you probably do too. So if you want to get a hold of us, info at billymcguigan.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-M-C-G-U-I-G-A-N.com. The man to my left on the other side of the screen, that's Jay Hansen right there. Jay, the Emmer Effin Professor Hansen. <laughs> Thank you for your tone knowledge today, by the way. Uh, I really There's wanted th- to set it up so I could play a snippet because I, I did. I went, I went down. It was great fun. I have, pulled, I have a whole floor of pedals sitting out. <laughs> I think I'm just going to leave them out. You know, yeah, just leave them out. It's wrong Start that they were sitting those. in a box. So. Yeah, they need to be out and about. Uh, we will try to attach our version of Revolution. It's out there somewhere. Just look us up at Ravon Productions. Yesterday and Today, Revolution on YouTube. You can find it out there. Yeah. We're out there. Billy McGuigan, Revolution. Jay Hansen, Revolution. You'll find us. You'll hear some bad versions, too, because we played it so many times. But we let people film at our shows because we're live. All right? And we don't care. Anyway, it's great to talk to everybody. Hope you're doing well out there. It's probably December at this point. So wherever you are, we hope you're, you know, doing the right thing and not being a jerk, you know? Be cool, everybody. That's all we ask. Yeah. I'm Billy McWiggin. That's Jay Hansen. You've been looking through the glass onion. High marks on this one. Seven, three, and a 10. Five, seven, and a nine, seven, or 9.2. I can't even read my own handwriting. <laughs> We're glad to be with you, friends. Be well out there. Poo